You are listening to the Aging Starts Now podcast, where it's all about responding with confidence to the legal, financial, and personal challenges created by disability, unexpected illness, or simply aging in general. Join us weekly as elder law attorneys Tim Takis, Barbara McGinnis, Chris Johnson, and other members of the Takis McGinnis Elder Care Law Team talk about the tools, techniques, strategies, and services that will make the elder care journey easier for everyone involved. Get ready, because aging starts now. Hi, and welcome to another episode of Aging Starts Now. My name is Dana Henschel, and I am the Outreach Coordinator here at Takis McGinnis Elder Care Law. And today we are talking about emergency room advocacy, which is a very important topic, very near and dear to my heart. And joining me for this conversation is Elder Care Coordinator, Patty Bedwell. Welcome, Patty. Thank you. And we both have had some ER experiences lately that weren't so great. Is that right? (laughs) Oh, my goodness, yes. I think we'd have to uh, have a contest to see whose experience was worse. We'd need some judges because they were both bad. I know. So um, I'll share a little bit about my experience. Um, My dad has Louis Bayer dementia. And he recently fell and broke his hip. So we took him to the emergency room. We arrived at 10 a.m. And we were admitted. We were lucky to get a private room. Um, I actually arrived to see him at 1. And when I got there, the halls were lined with people. And I was told that they had taken some blood work and some urine samples to run some labs, but they had talked with the doctor and we were just kind of waiting for results. And we were waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting for surgery. Didn't know if he was going to have surgery that day or not that day. We rarely saw nurses and um, when we asked for information it was like we were inconveniencing people Um, we were eventually told that he was going to be admitted to a room upstairs but he his body might have to stay in the emergency room because there was no staff to give him services upstairs in that Mm -hmm. hospital room that he had been admitted to so therefore I asked about his doctor and they're just like yeah his doctor is upstairs and I'm like but he's downstairs they're like yeah if he needs anything you just let us know and we'll text the doctor and see if we can get an order well by five o'clock I mean he had been there since 10 a.m. he hadn't had anything to eat since dinner the day before um, and we we're just like are we gonna get dinner for him and they were like well because he doesn't have a doctor really an order wasn't put in for dinner and we we're like okay and so they went and got some crackers and a sandwich from the vending machine it appeared and um, We tried to feed him that, but since he had been on morphine for pain, that wasn't really going going over very well. And it was just kind of one thing to another. 
And I say all of this to say, I've been in the healthcare industry for 11 years. And I was with my cousin who is a speech therapist and has been in the industry for 20 years. And we were trying to advocate and having a very difficult time advocating. And I can't even imagine what it would be like for someone who wasn't familiar with the healthcare system at all. I know exactly what you mean, Dana, and you're right. I mean, I've been an advocate for years and years and years. And when I go to the emergency room or when my father has gone to the emergency room, it's, I had, I had very similar, you know, a very similar situation and there's not, um, well, my father was actually admitted to the emergency room too, most recently. And, um, I can say this last time his care was better than the time before, but it was still kind of juggling because his doctor, he was like your dad upstairs and dad was downstairs. Um, So you and I have a bit of an advantage because we have some knowledge about the healthcare system and how it works just because of the work that we've chosen to do with our life. But I have come to the conclusion that doesn't help a bit. <laughs> it, just, it just really doesn't help that much because regardless of what you know, we're all subject to the system in place the day that you walked into that emergency room. So we have to figure out how to manage that system for the benefit of the person that, that we love that we're trying to get cared for. And that can be a really, really difficult thing to do. Um, It can be difficult. So I guess all of this is to say is that we're going to kind of muddle through this conversation and hopefully offer some of our listeners some advice based on our experience and knowledge to give you some tools to better navigate the system. Um, And one of those questions is, you know, if you go to the hospital by ambulance, can you choose the hospital that you want to go to? Well, I, uh, my, my father's most recent trip back to the emergency room, I did not want him to go to the hospital that he was sent to. But I wasn't available. I'm about almost 100 miles away from my dad. So um, I asked the facility that my father um, lives at, uh, you know, what what I could do, you know, because I didn't want him to go to that hospital. Next time he has to go, how do I make sure that he goes to a different hospital? And I was told that they have to send a person from a facility to the closest hospital. Once you get to that destination, you can reject that hospital and tell the the ambulance drivers you want to go to whatever hospital that is. Wow. So that's some good advice, I think. Yeah, I do too. I just don't know. Having not done it myself, I just don't know um, if it's that easy and that cut and dry, 
Um, but you can ultimately get your person to the hospital that, that you want them to. There just might be some steps that you have to go through to get that accomplished. Are there some general questions that you should ask when you arrive at the emergency room? Um, well, uh, really what, what I'm always most concerned with, because, you know, my, my father's elderly. He's 93 years old. He only has one leg, and so he has some, uh, uh, some constraints there, you know. And I'm always worried about him uh, enduring something too long. So my first question is always, you know, what, what is the expected wait time? Um, you know, here's, I brought my father's uh, medical uh, history. I bought a, co a copy of his uh, prescriptions. You know, do you need all this, all these things? Who do I give this information to? Um, how can I be helpful in getting my loved one seen and taken care of? Um, it's such a fast paced place when you first get there, it's really, are we going to get a room? You know, is there any way that we cannot be in this um, queue, you know, in the, along the wall of the emergency room? Um, so first off, you want to find out um, how long you're going to have to wait. Are there openings? Are there rooms available in that hospital for your loved one? If they are going to be admitted, or do you need to talk to them right then about being diverted or sent to another hospital? Will services be able to be provided in a timely manner? That to me is probably the most important thing to know once you enter the emergency room. Right. And another question is if surgery is needed, can you, can you pick your own surgeon and, you know, what if the surgeon you want isn't at that hospital or no longer goes to that hospital? Kind of what options do you have? I think some of it depends on the emergency, uh, the emergent nature of the situation. You know, do you need to have surgery right, right away? If not, you know, you can always request the surgeon of your choice. Um, if you're lucky, maybe that will be their surgeon. Maybe that'll be someone that they have on staff there. If not, you can always ask to be referred to that surgeon. You don't have to accept the, um, the services of the surgeon that are there and available at the emergency room. But again, you know, like if your appendix bursts or something like that, you know, you may not have a choice, but whoever's there is going to take care of you. But if it's something like um, a broken hip or something along those lines, if there is a particular surgeon that you want doing that surgery for your loved one, you can request that that be done. And even if that means you might have to have your loved one transferred to a different place, it's always your, um, your right to have the services provided by whom you want them to be. So, yes. Yeah. So, Patty, I know that you're a former ombudsman and you know a lot about resident rights. Um, can you give our listeners some information about just what rights they have at a hospital? 
<laughs> well, I can try. I can try. Um, they, they really, there should be no basic change in the rights that a person has, whether they're in the emergency room or a nursing home or wherever they might be. They have the same rights that they always do. But you're in a really different situation, a different setting. So you might not be able to um, use your rights or exercise your rights in the same manner that you would when you were um, at home or maybe back at the nursing home. Um, so I, I think... I think it's best to, uh, to approach an emergency room with um, as little negativity as you can as you're interacting with the staff and the, uh, everything that's going on around you um, because we are at the mercy of that system. So even though we may have the right for this or that, we have to deal with the situation that we're in and we have to get through that emergency situation. So I think you have to pick and choose the time that you want to try to um, maybe exercise your rights loudly, if you understand what I mean. Right, right. And if you are admitted to the hospital, you should be assigned a social worker, correct? Uh-huh. And yeah. then kind of what questions should you be asking your social worker to be kind of proactive so you're not surprised by anything? Okay. Um, well, as soon as you're admitted to the hospital, uh, believe it or not, there is a discharge planner that's usually a social worker that's notified that you have arrived and have been admitted. And so her, his or her job starts um, as you're admitted. And they're going to be working with you on uh, what your discharge plans are and, and that sort of thing. So the questions that you, um, you can ask or that you need to know is, has my loved one been admitted? Um, you want to be sure that they are admitted and they're not just there on an observation status. So that's an important question to ask. And that, that, you know, reflects back on your insurance. That goes back to how you pay for your stay at the emergency room or at the hospital. <clears throat> um, any problems that you might have or um, have had while you're there, you can address those with the social worker. She, in effect, or I say she, but the social worker becomes, is your advocate in the hospital setting. And sometimes it's, um, it becomes difficult. It might become a little bit um, challenging for them because their goal ultimately is to get you out of the hospital. Um, but while you're there, they're also supposed to be helping to make sure that your care is handled in an appropriate way. Um, so, yeah. well, I think that what, what I'm hearing from this are some kind of good points. And at the end of the day, 
If you are able to be with your loved one while they are in the hospital, have some be their advocate, be their voice. Um, that's always a best practice. I know that's not always doable because we all have jobs, we all have you know kids and other responsibilities. But if for that time when your loved one is in the hospital, the more time you can be by their side, the more questions you can ask, the more you can be their eyes and ears, the better the outcome's going to be. And to not be afraid to question because those people, the nurses, their doctors, they're doing the very best they can and they're over a lot of people but you're over your person and you're going to be their biggest advocate and just kind of remind and stay on top of it nicely because you always attract more flies with honey, right? Oh, that's exactly right. And um, one thing I failed to mention is that there is a dedicated patient advocate at the hospital if advocacy services are needed or if you're not getting the answers that you need from the, the, the emergency room nurses or even from that social worker after you've been admitted, um, you can ask to speak with the patient advocate in the hospital and they'll help you um, through whatever your issue might be or your concern. Great. Well, gosh, Patty, I think that I've said all I have to say. What about you? Well, you know what, Dana? I think we could probably fill a whole day with stories about emergency rooms and things like that. I, I think, I think you said it the very best. You need to be um, need to have someone with you, someone who's willing to advocate on your behalf. And if you're on your own. Don't be afraid to advocate for the good care that you deserve, that your loved one deserves, because you are always your best advocate. That's right. Well, that's it for today's episode. Thank you for listening. Take Us McGinnis Elder Care Law is a life care planning law firm helping families respond to the legal and financial challenges caused by chronic illness or disability of an elderly loved one. Join us next week for another episode of Aging Starts Now. Thank you for listening to the Aging Starts Now podcast. For more information about today's show, visit tn-elderlaw.com, click on the free resources tab, and then click on Aging Starts Now. You'll find the show notes there. And while you're at it, why not check out all the free resources available at tn-elderlaw.com. Document downloads, the Takeus McGinnis blog, educational videos, informative articles, helpful links, a TV show, and more. It's all there free for the taking. If you enjoy listening to the Aging Starts Now podcast, please subscribe, rate the show, or leave us a review. It's easy to do on whatever app you use to listen. We would love your feedback on the show. Aging Starts Now. We'll be back next week with more candid discussions about challenges created by aging, disability, and unexpected illness.